0: You're listening to The Insecurity Project, solving the insecurity problem at a global level podcast is a mixture of interviews, coaching sessions, and personal development content. You'll hear me chat with experts, authors, speakers, and individuals who've gone on to do great things in their life as a result of working through their insecurity. You'll hear brave souls being willing to have a live coaching demonstration recorded where they work through their insecurity. And you'll hear 10-minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver high-quality personal development content to help you on your journey. I hope you find it useful. Now on to today's show.
1: Folks, it's Jamin here. You're on the Insecurity Project today. I have the great pleasure of talking with Tracy Litt, all the way from the south of Florida. It's been great to coordinate our timesheets and be able to schedule this conversation. Uh, Tracy's a certified mindset coach, a transformational therapist, and a speaker. And she's as passionate as I am about solving the insecurity problem in the world, which is uh, you know wonderful foot to, to collaborate with other people doing great work. Uh, So, Tracy, welcome to the show. It's a real pleasure to have you with us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to dive into our time together.
1: Excellent. Well, dive in we shall. And all the way back to the beginning, as is my pattern, I'm fascinated with each of the guests in terms of where they started life and what it was like being a child growing up in your family. And, And specifically the role your parents played in, developing your sense of self i wonder did they do a good job were they absent did they model great security themselves or you know tell us a bit about uh your childhood and what it was like um, Mm. growing up in your family and how that related to your belief about yourself
2: okay uh and i love this question i really appreciate it uh so i grew up in new jersey and I would say my immediate you know, gut response is my parents did a phenomenal job, actually, uh, raising me with a strong self, sense of self. There was a lot of encouragement. There was a lot of, uh, you know, don't ever forget who you are. Don't ever forget who you're cap- what you're capable of. Um, you know, a lot of love and a lot of availability in my younger, more formative years uh you know the interesting thing is i'm a middle child um and uh it wasn't even so much being in the middle but i i have a sister that's 2 years older than me and even though my both of my parents right were present active uh and like i said just uplifting you know like i um i have i have a quite unbreakable sense of self and a and a very strong confident core and even with all of those beautiful things Um, growing up two years behind my older sister, who was always, uh, you know, well, a few steps ahead, and rightfully so, but as a kid, you don't realize what, you know what I'm saying, you you make things up in your mind. Um, And uh, I always thought she was, uh, you know, smarter than me and uh, a little bit better than me. However, I was defining that at the time. I'll share this interesting story, and of course, it was like two days after I was born, so it's not my actual memory but it was told to me so many times and what you and i um, both know about you know how easily things are embedded in us i know that this is one of the things that affected me so uh, as it pertains to my older sister my grandmother came to visit me in the hospital after i was born and um, apparently my sister was a very beautiful baby beautifully like doll-like newborn and apparently i wasn't as attractive And my grandmother looks at my mother when she sees me, and she says to her, well, I guess they can't all look like Jamie. And my mother was mortified, didn't talk to her for a week. Um, But, you know, that story stayed around, and I truly believe that it was like the seed plant on my insecurity that became I'm not smart enough as I continued to grow up with my sister.
1: Hmm. That's so fascinating, where stories get written. Uh, have you come across the Stephen Covey idea that everything's created twice?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: That's such a fascinating observation. And, yeah, really interesting. Obviously, as you said, something was created there for you that became a script for you to live out of.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what
1: happened how did How did that story play out into your teenage years and as you grew older
2: oh, oh my god I, I, I love this okay so you know and it it's only because and I know i'm going to go forward to go backwards it's only because um of my decision to grow right by choice and and come into this industry and do these things that I can so um I can so easily articulate what I'm about to explain, right? Because at the time, I didn't know I was walking around with a big, huge belief of I'm not smart enough, right? So the way that that showed up in my high school years um, was not giving my best effort, flaking out in high school. Um, You know, it was so pervasive that I didn't um, finish college, and the the interesting thing about it the interesting thing about it is it's not like i said to myself oh well i'm not smart enough so i'm not going to do it instead my mind was creating stories and rationalizations like college is not for me i don't want to waste the money um, what i want to do with my life doesn't require me going to college and all the bs that i was yeah, serving sure. myself right Um, so it really deeply impacted that, um, you know, on the flip side, I, you know, I really kind of cultivated this insane interpersonal skill. And I was, you know, I was the social girl in high school. Um, and I still have my friends to this day. So in the spirit of understanding that everything happens for your highest good, I really believe that. However, it was blocking me from living my life and enjoying my life and being my fullest self and stepping out into what I'm able to do now because I did the work, I identified it, I ripped it out by the root, I felt the pain, I let it go, um, you know, and I wanna say on record, since we are on record, I am wicked smart. Like I am so smart, it blows my own mind sometimes and to think that the girl who used to think she wasn't smart enough is now being published, and um, and and is obsessed with neuroscience, and is contributors and articles alongside PhDs is like, hello, <laughs> you can be anything you want.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Uh, it's just it's interesting that you describe it that way. I mean, just this week, there's probably been three conversations I've had with people about discovering the stories that their child or teenage version of themselves wrote and they've gone un- un- unexamined for, for 20 years The stories that have been told. You know, so I'm not smart enough. You, 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 you describe the story that a teenage girl told. Uh, but the ability to go back and review that story with some new data and to actually change that story and go, that is actually not true. And it's, it's probably never been true, by the way. So let's get that record straight and clear this story up. And then off the back of that new story, you're free to move forward into a really unhindered life and, you know, do all kinds of wondrous things. Uh, It's uh, it's just amazing that you described that process.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, we are so taught and bred to not question, you know? like we we were born, life happens to us, for us, all around us, on us, like all the pains you're mentioning and all the different stories that we concoct um, without intention, and we create these stories. And then somewhere along the line in our 20s, we just become people, right, because now you're an adult and it's time to make adult decisions. And no one ever teaches you question your identity, right? Why are you who you are? What's creating that? What thoughts are you believing, right? And realizing and and being told and informed, which is why the work that you do in the world and that I do in the world is so essential, um, that none of it's true. (laughs) Like, we just make shit up all the time, and none of it's true unless you want it to be true, and you're malleable, and everything can be changed, shifted, or reprogrammed. Which so true, is
1: all we have is, we anyways, have is story.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and <laughs> right. And so, so I mean, there's lots, lots to talk about here, and you know, we could get carried away because we both love this stuff so much. <laughs> tell, tell us a bit more about your own, your, your journey. So, um, I feel like there's a few missing pieces, and I I think it's really important just to unpack some of the, some of the key steps along the way. So, um, how uh, old were you when you started to question your own story?
2: I was oh this this makes me cry mm, good one um, I was about twenty eight um, so my mom passed away when I was twenty four and I was you know I I was doing great things you know I, I was um, and any role that I took I like for example I was working for a bridal designer like I said I never finished college I still haven't. And and it's great. And I no longer, you know, I used to walk around with this weird, oh, my God, I can't say that, because, you know, society judges you on that, or people aren't going to take me seriously. And, and through the work of growth and debunking that ridiculous limiting belief, I can just talk about it the way we're talking about it. So I want to say that out loud for all the people listening, because it's just so important to know. Um, and, uh through the course of, uh, you know, when I was younger, right before around the time of my, my mom's passing, you know, I was uh, working for a bridal designer and I was doing really well. Like I was always promoted, right? So I would always start in one position and then I'd end up being the sales director and then I'd start that and then I'd end up being the manager. So I always, was a, I always got shit done. I always did a great job. I was always well-liked, um, you know, but something happened when my mom passed away and the impact that had because of who she was in my life, and um, you know, she who she is to me still to this day. And uh that kind of um catalyst started to shake things up inside me. And it still wasn't a thing, but it started to like, you know, in that moment when you have any kind of tragic occurrence, uh, you're like, Okay, what's really going on here? It jolts you. And if you use the tragedy for good and you and you take from it what can I do to make my life from this point on better, different, right? More grateful, whatever the case might be. Um, You know, that kind of started it. And then I uh, had my daughter and then I became a single mother when she was like eight months old. And that was right around the time where I was like, okay, it's, uh, it's time to dig and it's time to, Really start to figure out what's going on here.
1: So what what happened? Talk us through some of the process and the the key steps involved in doing that work around mm. questioning your story and some of the key pieces of knowledge that got installed along the way that gave you a platform to be able to do that you know, beautiful work around
2: mm. deconstructing
1: and limiting belief and creating empowering ones.
2: Mm. Okay, so, um, you know, that the occurrence of becoming a single mom, right, was like another moment in life where you start to, or, no, yeah, not you start to, you have the option to choose to be introspective and start to grow and start to realize what's going on within me, right, that's contributing to some of the things that I'm experiencing in my life. So that's when the whisper started and i kept just going on with life and you know things were happening um and uh i would just start to like read it was it was a slow boil and i would just like read a book or you know spend some more time thinking did a lot of talking to myself um and then years went by and more years went by and at this point Um, I am now a vice president of people and culture for a huge healthcare firm, and uh, I am dying inside. I'm meh and uh, totally unfulfilled from a why am I here, what is my purpose, and still haunted by kind of the whispers that went on during those big catalyst moments in my 20s, and um, I started to investigate growth, like just googling online. You know, growth, different help modalities. What can I do to help myself? What else can I do with my life? Because I have so much more to give, uh, and I have so much more within me. And I want to, I want to like, I want to live my dreams. And I really, really want to help change the world. And through the course of that, I found the coaching industry, and uh, wow. researched. <laughs> I researched every coaching school and had the one that I wanted, to the top one in the nation, I did constant research, and then I did nothing, right? So this is an important part of the story because it's gonna resonate. Um, I did nothing for two years. I had had enrollment conversations, um, I was ready. I knew that this was not only my journey to do what I was born in this life to do, but it was the journey to myself which was the first goal, right? Because I firmly believe that you cannot help people or take them deeper than you've gotten yourself. And I knew that this was the road and I was paralyzed for two years because I didn't understand what fear was and I didn't understand what it sounded like. And I just spun in reason after reason after reason, all driven by fear. And then one night, I was away with my husband. um, I got uh, remarried. I'm sitting on a balcony overlooking the beach. He's inside. I'm outside. And I'm still. And it's silent. Um, Which is when all the magic happens. And something we all desperately need to do more of for ourselves. And I'm sitting there. And I'm thinking about it all. And it's coming over me. It's making me cry again. It's washing over me like a wave. And, uh it was one of those moments where I heard myself and the voice sounded like, Tracy, you're not going down like this. You know, you have something to do, get up, enroll in the school, right? And get it done. Like, that's it. You're not, this is, you're not going to get to the end of your life and go, I coulda, woulda, should up. And in that moment, that moment was so clear I got up out of the chair, walked inside the hotel room, opened my laptop, emailed the enrollment guy, boom, in, done. And it was in that moment, that clarity of decision, and it's soared ever since then.
1: <laughs> well, um, I, I don't know if you've heard this, the saying, uh, change takes a long time, coming, but it happens in a moment. Yeah, that's kind of just <laughs> yeah. what you've described right then, because just that that act of listening to yourself and getting up, walking inside, and enrolling like you—that was a line in the sand that you couldn't go back from. Like by the sound of things, that was it. You were in, and it took a long time to get there, but that was a, a key moment in your life.
2: Yes, it was. It was everything, um, and it really since that moment, and and what that education and school and background gave me for myself and me being able to identify and say to you, oh, I know what my shit was. I used to think I wasn't smart enough, right? And it's clear as day and it's totally gone and eradicated. Uh, So it's a, it's a a brilliant thing to be able to have the conversation from a state of reflection. It's amazing. (laughs) Well,
1: thank you so much for sharing. It's, it's extraordinary to hear Someone's real story because it doesn't happen very often. You go to you down the street, you meet friends, and you talk about the weather or what you've watched on TV or the book you've been reading or whatever. But to hear someone's story is such a gift. So um, thank you so much for the gift of your story.
2: Uh, thank you I'm, for asking I'm, me
1: about I'm, it. <laughs> it's my absolute pleasure. I'm fascinated as you dove into the coaching learning and what some of the key insights were and the, the key ideas that really gave you. The structure and the confidence to then go do that work around changing your belief just because like i i have people talking all the time about but how do you do it like how do you do you change is it possible like they, they see people do it they read books about it but it just seems like this thing that's out of their reach and this this big dark scary monster inside them this becomes you know or almost out of control because they haven't dealt with it for so long so I think, you know, a few key ideas that break it down, give people hope that it is possible to make change for themselves. So what would you say were, were some of the key ideas that you allowed you to really transform from that point when you'd made the decision to sign up?
2: Mm. So um, I would say, you know, the key the key ideas that I really want to share were through that experience and then... Really post that experience because I, I am a, you know, here's the irony, the girl who hated to learn in high school, who bucked reading, who wanted the cliff notes on everything or to read the movie. I am now obsessed. Um, uh, My husband calls it like getting lost in the growth abyss, And I sit at my computer or I read book after book after book after book. And I can constantly do continuing education classes and courses, um, you know, which is just another thing that I always I always kind of laugh at with love because of how ironic it is, (laughs) Um, you know, and it's through the course of my obsession with human potential and our good enoughness uh that what i what i 'm going to share with you kind of comes from all of it um, and I think you hit on something really important, uh, which is you know we don 't believe it 's possible like we don 't we somewhere along the line, we think that that change is for someone else and not for us, right um but the fundamental truth, and this is one of the many pillars, just to you know to answer your question that you asked, is that everything you desire in your life is available to you. That is a belief you must say, I'm going to choose to believe that. And for the record, right, a belief is just a thought you think over and over and over again. If you attach to a thought, you can make it a belief. And that's an important one. Everything I want is available to me. I'm willing to believe everything I want is available to me, right? I'm willing to believe in myself because if we don't believe in ourselves then we'll never be able to get to the point where we believe change is possible. Right? That's really one of the th- biggest things I see with people in my world, right? It's like do you believe it's possible? Do you believe you can do it? Um, you know, another key thing was falling in love with fear so that in love you with fear. Oh, yeah, that's what I did. That's what I did. That's what I do. It's what I teach. And yeah. Yeah. Falling in love with fear. May I elaborate on that for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unpack that. That would be great.
2: Okay, cool. So um, I, like, as I mentioned, the thing that had kept me from this greatness that we're in right now was fear. Right. I didn't know it then, but it's one of the things I learned as I grew and went through this uh, educational journey. So you know, fear is biological. So when we say or hear things like I'm fearless or just be fearless, that is not true. It is a myth. Um, And I, and I truly believe it's a disservice because when someone is tender or wanting to grow and change, and then they hear some, well, someone else is just fearless and I'm not fearless. I always feel fear. And then it can quickly start to be a detriment, right? To our self esteem and our self talk. So, you know, the key is falling in love with it because it's biological and it's always going to be there. You will never get rid of it. And when you try to, or you try to just, you know, be mean to it or say, get out of here or be fearless, you're creating more resistance and the fear gets louder and more powerful. The best thing we can do is notice it when it, when it arrives, which side note means you're growing <laughs> means you're doing great yeah, things it right it's like to me when i you know i want everyone to know everyone in the world to know if you're feeling the fear you're you're doing it it's actually like yeah. a guidance system to your expansion so exactly. you know to fall right to fall in love with it means to feel it and to like, I'm going to give you a visual. So fear usually sits across from us, uh, you know, as an obstacle, like across the table. So I want you to put your hands out, and I want you to grab the fear, the little fear, look at it, make it an image, lift it up out of the chair across from you, bring it to you, sit it right there on your lap so it's now with you sitting on the same side of the table. And you look down at it, and I have, <laughs> I can't tell you if, you, if I had, like, a hidden camera in my office, you would laugh because I do these things all the time (laughs) and I look down at my lap and you just say, I see you, I love you, I know that your intention is to keep me safe, however, I'm not going to die, I'm not in danger, I know where I'm trying to go and you're just going to sit here and we're going to use your power for good and as soon as right as soon as you do that as soon as you love it and acknowledge it you disempower it and then you can go after what you want to go after
1: <laughs> that's incredible wow
2: thank you well,
1: I, it's I, the, I, the only quote way coming to mind that yeah quote the and i think i'll butcher it but maybe, maybe you're familiar with it. Something around the lines of whatever we resist, we empower, or whatever we resist, we strengthen. So mm-hmm. um, it's kind of what you described. So the more resistance, the more you try and squash or kill or fight that fear, that energy just feeds it, and it it's stronger against you. Is that, That's what you're describing, isn't it?
2: Yes, completely. What you resist persists.
1: Uh-huh. That's the quote I was after.
2: Mhm. Yes, absolutely.
1: Wow. Any other key pillars that you think are really important in terms of helping people do this work and believe that it's
2: possible? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, radical responsibility. I noticed that, and I know that you and I share this. Um, you know, you talk about it in the context of 100% responsibility, I believe. Um, and that is non-negotiable. <laughs> Because in order to do all the things that even we're talking about here, to make the choices, uh, because that's another component, everything's a choice, everything, uh, you, you must own it. You must realize that you're the problem and you're the solution. And when you take radical responsibility, you're able to, uh, you're able to let go of the excuses and the reasons and the justifications and all the things that keep you from really doing the things that you want to do or feeling how you want to feel or being who you want to be. And the interesting thing is falling in love with fear is one of the components that would actually fall under radical responsibility because what you're doing in that moment when you pick the fear up and you bring it towards you and you love it is you are taking responsibility for it, right? So if you visualize 100% responsibility and radical responsibility as taking everything that you're currently pushing away from you, right, and you put your big arms out and you wrap around everything and you bring it all into you like, like you're hugging it all, right? Now it's, in, now it's in your power. Now you're saying, I'm responsible for it. And as soon as you take the responsibility, you're now owning it and you can move things around like a chess game. But if you don't own your shit, you will never, ever change. Fact.
1: Yeah, profound, why, why do you think people don't take responsibility? Why is it so difficult for people to take responsibility for their life, you think?
2: I love this question, too. A couple things. I think that, number one, uh, you don't want it to be your fault. Yeah. Like, the, the the feeling, right, because we connect, and this actually feeds right into the insecurity epidemic. Um, You know, we... The meaning we give when somebody's at fault is they're wrong, they suck, they don't have a value, they're not good enough. Some iteration of that, right? So if you were to say, I'm at fault, then that translates to, oh, my God, I'm wrong. Oh, my God, I'm bad. Oh, my God, I'm not enough. Right? And that sometimes is too much to bear. The second thing, I think, is as soon as you take responsibility, you have to actually do something. And I think people are very comfortable in hoping and wishing and wanting and not actually doing it. Yeah, great distinction. You know, and I want to say one other thing too. Um, The reason why you can take 100% responsibility, and I think if if we take anything away from this amazing conversation we're having, take this the reason you can take radical responsibility and own your life hundred percent is because everything I just said about what you make it mean is not true. The truth is before radical responsibility, the first main pillar and foundation of anything is the truth that you are enough. You have always been enough. You always will be enough. Your worthiness is your birthright. The only thing you ever need to do to be enough is wake up. Wake up in the morning. You opened your eyes, nailed it, you're enough. You don't get to question your enoughness. It's not negotiable as to whether or not you're worthy. You are a human being. You are deserving. You are worthy. You are enough. Now, if you play with me for a second and you accept that truth, just say, okay, fine, I believe you then the magic that happens is you're then able to say, and because I know that my enoughness is unpenetrable, if that's a word, um, and and not able to be affected by anything, then you can say, and I own my life and I'm radically responsible because it's never a reflection of me. Does that make sense?
1: It does.
2: Yeah. It's everything. You live your life differently when you know you're enough.
1: Entirely. I, I entirely agree. The interesting thing around what you've described, though, is that I, I reckon you've probably heard those words in some form or other from someone outside of you a long time before you heard them from yourself. hmm Do you know what I mean? So... I think yeah. the, the great challenge of being in this industry and in this space is to, okay, how do you transfer that belief? Because, you know, you know, as well as I like, do, you have someone sitting in front of you and they're, they're afraid they're not enough. And you're just like, I mean, clearly you're enough, right? But they, mm-hmm. they can't see it. You look at them and you go, of course, of course you're enough. You've always been enough. You always will be enough. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they can't see it. And so just telling them, oh, by the way, you're enough, if that was all that was needed, then... They'd walk out free, but they have to discover them themselves and have to yeah. be willing to uh, work through the process. And it's such an interesting thing. And I, I don't know if you've read any of the stuff I've written around the 35 to 40 age group, because there, if ever there was a time most conducive to that getting inside you, it seems that that's the, the window of openness. Not to say that it can't happen outside of that window, But it seems like there has to be a fair bit of pain, there has to be some suffering, there has to be some openness to learning, there has to be some really honest conversations with yourself in order to get to the place where you're willing to have that truth come inside you. Uh, And no one can do it for you, no one can kind of force it there. And that's why I love hearing people's story about their parents, because you know, even when parents are perfect, even when parents are wonderful and encouraging and loving, that's not enough. Like, a parent can't just transfer self-belief to a child. and The child still has to work out themselves. So it's um, such a, uh, you yeah, know, such a wonderful thing. And I love the hero's journey as a way of kind of explaining the drama of this whole process because mm-hmm. it just makes it so beautiful. Like, that's, that's the hero. When... We're all we're all waiting to see what, what what will happen. You know, will the hero fight the dragon and win, or will the hero die? Who knows? It's high stakes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's for each of us that we have this drama playing out for our lives. We have incredible potential and amazing ability to do all kinds of things, but there's no guarantee we will ever realise that potential or or realise our enoughness. Um, so. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's it's that process that you've described in your own life, coming to the point where you were willing to own this about yourself, and when you were ready.
2: And- absolutely, I and I I I so hear everything you're saying, and uh, absolutely resonate with. Yes, it's you know for me to say it, um, it, it needs to be believed, and there's work to be done. Right, that's that's also why people like you and I are here. Right. That's why um, you know we're now in a t- time in life, and I think you really hit on something in the 35 to 40 category, because I also think around that age, you know, it's like you're you're just doing order of operations through your teens and 20s, right? Meaning do this, do this, college, boom, get a job. Like you're consumed. You're yeah. just like you know you're 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 checklisting yourself through life, and then when you're in your 30s, stuff starts to kind of settle in, and then you start to go oh oh. oh Oh, okay, And that's when the dirt starts to get kicked up in you, whether it's by catalyst, right? like you said, pain, suffering, um illness, divorce, whatever, death, okay, something. Cool. Uh, you know, I would uh, one of my intentions is to create a world where we grow by choice and not by catalyst. You grow simply because you realize that you're human and the intention is to grow, and if you're not growing, you're dying right there you we were bred to expand to to do more to uh learn more right to be in a growth mode is important for our fulfillment in general um you know but i think the first thing that comes to mind for you know all the beautiful people that are listening to us when i say you're enough and you aren't able to fully believe it yet the next thing that we need to do is say, like, so, which is what you did in the beginning of our call, like, so what happened to you? That's my go-to. What happened to you, <laughs> right? Because, because you're – and it's the only time you'll ever hear me say what happened to you because once you figure out what, what got you to where you are, then we lose that because you're not a victim. But when you're younger, right, because you're right, your parents can be great like my parents. But the interesting thing about how we arrive at our lack of belief in ourselves is, you know, I could have just had a day that, you know, I was like six years old and playing in my playroom and I had toys all over the place and I didn't know, but my mom was having a bad day and she ran in and she yelled and screamed and what the hell is wrong with you? Why are all these toys everywhere? Right. And and maybe she smacked me on the butt or something parentally innocent. But in that moment I was susceptible and jolted and I went, in my little tiny mind with no awareness whatsoever, decided to say, oh, my God, uh, I I must not be enough or my mommy wouldn't have yelled at me, right? Or, oh, my God, I need to keep everything organized or perfect or my mommy's not going to love me. And these are the types of moments that embed the meanings and beliefs that we need to shed through awareness as adults so that we can realize, no, that's not real. My mom is just having a bad day. I am enough.
1: Yeah, that's so profound. So for those who are listening going, okay, great, so I want I want to believe and I want those words to get inside me and I want to so I have enough, that's a fantastic question. So what happened to you? <laughs> so mm-hmm. where did it go wrong? When did you tell yourself? When was the first time you decided that the conditions in your world proved that you were no good? And to go back there and review that moment as an adult, check the data... Change the story. That's that's where the change all happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And that's actually the reason that um, one of the reasons that I went back to school again and became a rapid transformational therapist um, because rapid transformational therapy is a method uh, of of hypnotherapy, but also other modalities like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and neuro linguistic programming and other things that get into your subconscious. Um, so that we can find those moments. Because sometimes you can recall them consciously, right? Sometimes you know or you remember exactly. enough sure. of it. And, and sometimes you, you, you don't. You just don't recall that moment or, you, you know, you really want to get in there and see it and move it around. Um, because, yeah, it's, it's all based in that. It's, it's like, you know, if we, if we don't lean in and do this work and dig in and pull our shit out by the roots, then we're like running around with a seven-year-old running our lives
1: <laughs> yeah that's right That's, that's
2: <laughs> exactly
1: what happened. yeah yeah with and the seven-year-old has made a bunch of decisions with limited awareness limited maturity limited resources and those decisions have, have remained unquestioned for the next however many years
2: yes yes you know the only good part about a seven-year-old running your life which is also part of this work is you didn't care what people thought when you were seven because you didn't have self-concept yet. You weren't judging yourself yet, right? So if you could you, – you, the the only good part about that is being able to say, okay, I, I'm silly, I don't care, I can dance, you know, I'll go somewhere and I'm not thinking about what others are thinking of me. But otherwise, we have to get rid of that seven-year-old that's running your life.
1: Absolutely. Um, fantastic have there there been key books along the way for you I mean you've described yourself as an avid reader and insatiable desire to to get into this growth mindset and explore this wonderful world have there been particular books that have been pivotal for you or books that you recommend to others as a way of getting into this content
2: oh yes thank you for that question um okay so I love um, breaking the habit of being yourself by Dr. Joe yes. Dispenza, he's, that's, that's, um, I'm I'm a, my, yeah. It's
1: under my fan, actually, beside my bed. I sleep, I've got a fan blowing on my face, 20, 21, 21, <laughs> 24, 24, every time i sleep all year round, and, uh, and it's the book that's under my fan. <laughs> it's doing some okay, good Okay, but good, but it's doing great work. just looking at the cover, just looking at the back, looking at the spot, just seeing, uh, I'm just reminded of a bunch of beautiful insights, and that's, that was a profound book for me too, glad
2: you Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Even, you know, I believe. Even looking at it, you know, really, like just keeping it in, yeah, yeah. it like anchors you. It does. Absolutely. Um,
1: it does. Yeah. One of my uh, another one. Right in my rocking chair. Oh, sorry. You go.
2: No, no, no. You go ahead. In your rocking chair. Go ahead.
1: Well, well I was just saying, in one of my favorite <laughs> rituals, sitting in my rocking chair, just looking at my library. I've got you know two bookshelves full of books, and each book that I've read. Uh, there have been key insights, key learnings, and, and I love to be able to see the physical book because just that spine is enough to take me back into that learning experience. So it's just such a rich resource, that visual anchor into key learnings. Uh, yeah, I so fully, fully, having I fully the book agree with you. And read it again, right. just seeing it is enough.
2: I fully, fully agree with you, and I think that in general having a visible, tangible anchors around you, really curating what's coming into you is also part of this process. Um, I would say some other key books, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, huge. H- huge also in the realm of your vulnerability and feeling your feelings and how essential that is. Um you so remind uh, me
1: of Brene Brown hearing you talk to you your the depths of understanding the passion which you speak the the heart you bring to the table you know you've um you obviously drawn a lot from her and uh yeah, I really think that you're very much in line with what she said and um yeah you just remind me of her very much.
2: thank you so much uh, that is one of the most amazing compliments I've ever received, and I let it in. Thank you. Um My and then, you know, I, I will also say there's another book which is the profound and a quick read uh that I really see as foundational for growth, which is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz.
1: Okay. I haven't read that one.
2: You know, it's a wonderful read and it's just it's four agreements. It's for very basic, um, uh simple you know, yet not easy, right, which is all things and growth. Everything is simple. I think that's the other thing that's good to point out. You know, when when we talk about, and and I wonder if you concur, uh, when we talk about personal development and growth of any kind, none of the concepts or theories are complex. Everything is simple in, you know, in in, uh, principles or, you know, how to do it. The challenge comes in because it's not easy. You need to show up. You need to be consistent. You need to practice. You're working new muscles. You're establishing new behaviors. So growth is simple, but not easy. That's what I think.
1: Uh, I entirely agree. I, I uh, often say to people, you
2: get
1: you get into a, a, the trap of thinking it's complicated and unique, and and you just hide in that space. It's always simple and hard. So yeah, I, I entirely agree. Uh, and, you know, Einstein's thing, make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. So if it's if it's overly simplified, then it hasn't got depth of understanding. But all the best frameworks the stuff that really works is simple. It's elegantly simple. and But the application is, is still very hard.
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you know, wanting it, number one, comes in um, and getting the support from someone outside of you that's not a friend or family, right, that's a coach, that's a professional of some sort. Um, is really, really essential.
1: It is. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Anything that we haven't covered, anything that you feel is also important to add in this process of overcoming insecurity and finding who you really are and what you're capable of, you haven't mentioned?
2: Yes. One one thing. I mean, the, the reality is we could probably talk for a week straight And find new things. I'm sure we could, (laughs) and we and we will because I got to come to Australia. But
1: okay, great. I'm going to come to America.
2: (laughs) Yes, good, good, good. We're making plans right now, and everybody's here to hear it. Yes, we are. We are. Okay, I'm excited. Um, So the final thing I will say, and it is essential. It's again, it becomes and your yeah. Okay, I keep saying it's essential, non-negotiable. This is non-negotiable. Praising yourself. How you speak yourself? to yourself, praising, praising yourself, right? Because nothing is more important to overcoming your insecurity, understanding your enoughness, and having the relationship with yourself that you need to have the life you want, right? Because it's based in your relationship with yourself. That's where you know all of it lives. Um, praising yourself making that familiar to you, you know, it's not familiar to so many of us. What's familiar is our own criticism and our own judgment and our own lack of compassion towards ourselves and our own shaming and our own beating ourselves up verbally or within our thoughts. Um, And, you know, one of the rules of our mind is that we love what's familiar and we will buck and push away what's unfamiliar, so, if you want to focus on one thing you can do is start to make praise familiar to you, right? which means you look in the mirror after you brush your teeth and you look into your own eyes and you say, "Good morning, I love you. You're going to do amazing things today. Look how cute you are. I love how you know great you were yesterday, and you you pray, you make it familiar. To hear yourself praise yourself.
1: Yeah, well, um, I love that, and that's something that I've really integrated into my own life. But it, like, I'm a, a very a pragmatic person, and one of the things I've struggled with in the coaching industry is just it's such a hyped up space, and it's so much lightweight fluff and bubble, and you know, it all just seems like ultra positivity. Um, so that I find that really challenging, and that. That caused me to shy away from affirmations for a number of years just because I felt like it was just lightweight fluff. You just uh, you just got to talk mm-hmm. positive about yourself. Um, and uh, every time I tried, I just felt like a wanker. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I kind of understood some of the science behind the power of our words and uh, the relationship between your conscious and your subconscious. So it was a book by uh, Shad Helmstetter, Called what to say when you're talking to yourself. That helped me understand that the relationship of your conscious to your subconscious is like the captain of the ship to an engine room worker. So the captain is given the instructions, the engine room worker is doing what it's told. And so typically, uh, and the captain being your conscious and the engine room worker being your subconscious. So typically, if your self talk is very negative, like it's saying, ah, oh, you know, gee, I'm I'm terrible with money, or I always run late, or you know, GI struggle making friends or whatever, which is like giving an instruction to your subconscious and then lo and behold it goes and does that, fulfills that instruction, that you get those results and that proves that it's true. So when I kinda of got that, it was like, oh my goodness then I'm gonna start giving positive instructions, positive affirmations, setting really wonderful programming and start talking really lovely to myself about myself. So I the thing that worked for me first was I used to record voicemail messages for myself. Um, and that was a really great way to have fun with it, but kind of break a pattern of thinking and then make it something very familiar to me. And it's kind of worked ever since.
2: Yes, I, I love and I'm grateful that you shared that because I think it's super important for everyone to hear. You know, this is this is not a conversation about the power of positivity. I mean, I'm a huge fan of positivity, but it, that's not... That's not the point because sometimes you can lose yourself or what you're trying to do by just like being positive. You can't just slap a positivity well, yeah. band-aid on it. It's not and, not right, everything's it, positive. Right, exactly. That's not that's not real. That's not being a human and, and having human experiences, right? Um, but yes, to your point, and I love the name of that book. I'm going to get it. I have not read it. Uh, it's, it's, a, it is it's all an a, old
1: book, but it's a, yeah, a really good one.
2: Yeah, I'm excited about it because it really is. What you, nothing is more important than what you say to yourself. And another rule of your mind is that it communicates in images and words. Yeah. So whatever you say to it, you become. And this is not hokey woo woo. This is science. Oh. This is this yeah, is the way it is. And yeah, go ahead.
1: And that was so yeah. important for me to understand that this is science. This is not just fluff this is science, this is what is already happening inside me by the words I am already using. So if that's already true, well, then it makes sense to be more deliberate and intentional about using more beautiful, creative, um, enlightened, positive words about myself. Um, The other thing that I found really useful was Anthony Robbins' distinction around affirmations that he says, when you say these things to yourself, say them until you have an accompanying feeling in your body. So his distinction is that affirmations that aren't accompanied by a strong kinesthetic in your body aren't really making any any impact in your life. So don't just say, you know, oh, I'm awesome, I'm fantastic. Like, say it again and again and again until until you feel it, until it's getting inside you, until you're resonating with it, until every cell in your body is aligning with those words and resonating. That's how you know you're doing these affirmations effectively mm-hmm. when you're feeling them as well. And I thought that was mm-hmm. that was really profound and, and made a big difference to the effectiveness of my self-talk as well.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, because when we feel it, we're embedding it. We're, we are agreeing we are, yeah. with it, right? It's, it's really working and, and we're believing it. Um, you know, another thing that I used to play with along those lines is if you're in a place where um you know you're you're starting from i uh i i suck i hate myself right it's unfortunate but it happens um you yeah. can't jump right to i'm amazing because yeah. there's too much of a gap and then your body yeah. goes bullshit you're lying and it yeah, doesn't accept right. it exactly. right doesn't, so instead um... you can you can choose to start with i'm willing to see how amazing i am Right, And just those words, because again, I'm obsessed with words and language too. Those words, I'm willing to, you're not going to disagree with that. And you'll go, oh, okay. And then you say that for a couple days. And before you know it, you can jump right into, I am awesome. And your body will accept it as true.
1: That's so cool. I I haven't heard that distinction. I'm going to use that. The the one that I had, (laughs) the one that I'd used, which was similar to that, was adding the word yet onto a a negative sentence, which totally changed the feel of it. So, ah, my business isn't working yet. Ah, I haven't looked (laughs) at how to do that yet. Uh, you know, I haven't solved this problem yet. So that, just that self-talk shift just kind of went, that's okay, the game hasn't Mm -hmm. finished yet. We're we're not done here. There's more to come. Keep going. Yes,
2: Yes. yes. Exactly. It's like, you know, really remembering, oh, all things are temporary. Like, I'm changing. I'm growing. I'm doing. Hmm. Awesome.
1: Uh, Well, look, I so value your insights and the deep sharing and just the fact that it's come out of the overflow of your own personal development journey makes it so rich and so real for people. You know, there's nothing worse than having someone bang on about a whole bunch of stuff that they clearly haven't embodied or lived. Because it just thinks, Mm. well, you know, if it's so good and so true, why haven't you applied this to your own life? But, you know, when someone Mm -hmm. shares out of their own lived experiences, their own breakthroughs, it just comes out of every pore in their body. It can't help but come out of them. It's very real. So I acknowledge that and, and thank you for the gift of you. And I'm sure our listeners will have benefited greatly from your words and your work. So where can people find you? Where where is the best place for people to go see more about who you are and what you do?
2: Um you can find me uh on my the website which is www.thelitfactor.com and that's lit with two t's. Uh and the other two best spots would be the lit factor on Facebook. I am on live all the time. Um sharing exactly which I love what you just said, you know, walking the talk and talking the walk. My work is who I am. It's my being. And anything yep. that I teach you about or talk to you about, I do myself. Or I won't coach on it or I won't share it. <laughs> um, so please hop on Facebook because I'm there all the time. And um, Instagram as well under the Lit Factor with two Ts. Okay.
1: I'm sure, I'll uh, make sure those links are all on the show notes, people who uh, are to come find you. Uh, well, that's fantastic. We'll leave the conversation there. I'm very grateful again. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to being friends.
2: I am truly, truly, genuinely excited to continue to hang out with you and be friends. And we will make that, you know, Australia Florida trip happen. Maybe even do some sort of like crazy good event because we've got a lot of work to do in this world.
1: We have. That's exactly right. Tracy, thanks so much for your time. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you
2: so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a beautiful day.
0: You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. If you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity, check out the 30-Day Online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being good enough and give yourself permission to really flourish in life. For more information, check out jaymanfraser.com.